0: to the Disney at Work, Disney at Play podcast. Whether it's work or play, we help you find the magic through stories, ideas, inspiration, insights, and all things Disney. I'm Jeff Kober and your host for episode 36. Our podcast is just one way we bring the Disney magic to you through our websites, YouTube videos, Facebook live events, books, programs, and so much more. Whether you're a new fan, or a long-time member of the club, there's something for you, and we welcome you to this podcasting hour. If you're near the internet, you may want to follow along with us during or after on our disneyatwork.com and disneyatplay.com website, as we have extensive show notes as well as takeaways for you. Stay tuned at the end of the show, as we will have some additional places you can go to experience the world of Disney, no matter where you are. In this podcast, we are looking at the language. The language at Galaxy's Edge, Pandora, the UK Pavilion at Epcot, and at Disney. We wanna talk first about some of the languages you find when you are visiting the attractions throughout the Disney parks. Star Wars Galaxy's Edge has opened at Disneyland, and soon to open at Disney's Hollywood Studios at Walt Disney World. And one of the distinct features of this new immersive land has been the development of a language that's used by the citizens on the planet Batu. The citizens being the Disney cast members who work there. There's a list of expressions that the cast members are to incorporate in their daily conversations with the guests. For instance, in the morning, they say, hey, sun's up, or in a more formal way, they might say bright suns as you enter the park or as you enter one of their stores or attractions. Among resistors, there's a special language, ignite the spark or light the fire. Guests visiting, Batu are not referred to as guests, as commonly mentioned or used at Disney, but rather as off-worlders, travelers, or recruits. Children are referred to as younglings or Padawans. And a stroller is a youngling or Padawan transport. When you're in the land, they don't say, well, you're in Adventureland or Frontierland. Rather, they say you're on planet. And if you need to go to the restroom, well, they don't use terms bathrooms or restrooms. They use the term refresher. A drinking fountain is a hydrator. They don't know the answer. What they'll say is only the ancients know. Good evening is rising moons and goodbye. Informally is till the spire. While formally a farewell would be, may the spires keep you. Take care is Uh, spoken of by saying the word or phrase, good journey. When you are dealing with purchasing something, whether it's food or beverage or a souvenir, they talk to you not in terms of dollars or cents, but rather in terms of the number of credits it takes to acquire the item. If you wanna buy a gift card, it's known as the spirit. And we show a picture of this on our website. Referencing uh, technology, they see an Apple Watch and they'll refer to it as a risk communicator. A phone is a data pad and a photo pass as an image data pad. A photo or picture taken is not a photo or picture, but rather a scan. So you can see that there are all these different terms that are incorporated, whether you are getting a picture uh, or whether you are uh, purchasing a droid or whether you are um, exiting or entering the land. All of this has been part of the day one that they teach new cast members or in this case the residents of Batu, they teach them these terms and invite them to use them on a daily basis as they talk to the well um visitors or individuals um traveling uh to the planet um They also have, in addition, something called the language of Erbesh. Now, Erbesh is a little interesting because really there is a symbol for every letter of the alphabet and also symbols for different things like the S-H sound or the C-H sound. However, if you don't know what the symbol is, it's pretty hard to read much of the text. And in fact, the text is found throughout. I've shown some illustrations in the uh, website of words and phrases and sentences, all done in Arabish. Arabish is the galactic standard in the universe. As such, um, while it's unlikely that many people will be speaking the language, it is likely to see it on buildings and other writings. One of the cool things they do is they provide on the Play Disney app, an ability for you to actually scan an Arabish phrase and be able to discern what it actually says in Arabish. So it's kind of fun. There's also kind of a more reformed version of Arabish. It's one that looks like Arabish in kind of its cryptic or um, in its its form of writing, but it actually reads like English. Uh, This is the version you'll see most on signage but it's not easily read and it's not like some neon sign. So you have to really kind of look for the sign and then you have to stop and stare at it to realize that it's saying Cantina um, or Droid uh, Depot. For instance, uh, we show an image of just simply a debit card reader. It's introduces its first screen with the big word welcome on it, but in this Irish Arabish script, It's been kind of interesting to see these expressions used. It takes a while to kind of incorporate it, but with time, uh, the cast members working there have begun to use more and more of that language. Now, this idea of using the language is a little bit of a contrast to what happened two years ago when Pandora, The World of Avatar, opened at Disney's Animal Kingdom. When that land opened, there was a language incorporated into it as well. It's part of the Avatar film. Um, an individual who is um, an expert on languages wrote a language for those who for the for those who are, are of the Na'vi. And so what they did with the cast members when that attraction first opened is they tried to teach the cast members these different Navi expressions, all of which are unusual words um, that um, you would not know in English, but uh, that you would, if you knew the translation, could be able to, to effectively use. So for instance, instead of using the word Banshee, for the dragon-like animal that flies throughout the land, they say Ikran. At one point you hear uh, one of the scientists talk about rising to the challenge. And she says, Sivako, "Sivako," I believe is how it's phrased. Rise to the challenge, she says. Um, You also hear some phrases used in the titles of different attractions there. For instance, the food and beverage location is known as Satuli Canteen. Satuli actually means heritage. And if you actually take the time to learn this word, you realize that when you're in the Satuli canteen, that the decor around you um, uh, celebrates the arts and crafts of the Navi people. It celebrates their heritage. And so you can study this and see pottery and weavings and and different um, art forms expressed in this canteen, um, and that's why it's called Satuli Canteen. Uh, next door is a place where you can grab uh, a drink or uh, um, a little snack, and it's called Pangu Pangu. Pangu means um, a party. And I suppose that when you put pangu-pangu together, it actually means a party of people. Um, And so because they're more festive kind of drinks and snacks, they have called it pangu-pangu. The entire valley that you are in when you are visiting is called the Valley of Moara, which is in Navi, that means gathering place. And so, and the drum ceremony that they have, I don't know that I've expressed that correctly, but that actually means a sacred place for words. So it's an interesting thing with, uh, as a comparison, looking at the Pandora experience, because actually since the two years since, uh, since that language was introduced, it's not so often that you actually hear people use many of the expressions, maybe one or two like hello, but most of the cast members, it's kind of fallen off. And one of the challenges is, is they might say a word, but you as a resident visiting, or you as a guest visiting uh, Pandora have no idea what they're saying. So it can't be re- easily reciprocated and, and, um, and appreciated. Uh, there are only a very few words that really have carried through, and most of those are, are tied to actual titles of things like Satuli can, Canteen. So it's kind of an interesting, it's kind of an interesting observation to see how this has not worked in the same way. Now, mind you that uh, the experience at Galaxy's Edge or Black Spire Outpost is different because while there is the language of Arabesh, that's not what the cast members have been taught. They simply been taught expressions in English that you could you could learn to to use in your own that you would know in English as you as you interact um, with the citizens of Batu. It's a little bit more comparable to visiting the United Kingdom. Now, you think about visiting Epcot. And you think about all the countries around the uh, world showcase. You think one of the easiest countries for somebody say from the United States to speak with. Um, cast members who are from their native countries would be the United Kingdom, right? Well, that's probably the case, but it's not always that simple because there are expressions in the United Kingdom that are used all the time that really don't transfer to common things that are stated in the United States. For instance, there they say, and you'll remember Bert saying, I think he used this term in Mary Poppins, Bob's your uncle. Um, So, Um, they may say an expression like that. You may want to know what to say so as to not make a mistake or drop a clanger, as they use as an expression. Next time you're passing through London by means of the underground, which is actually the subway, you'll find that there are some words and phrases that you might not find in the U.S. For instance, you probably know that a pub is simply a bar. But when you order fries, you'll want to say chips. And if you like sausage, you don't ask for sausage, you ask for banger. And should you ever get into a brawl with someone else at the pub, you'll refer to it as Barney with the bloke. If you're hauled away, it might be done by a policeman, but they might also be referred to as a Bobby, or even some still refer to it as Old Bill. You get the idea. The same thing happens in, in the United States as well, and in other English-speaking countries. We have Aussies and so forth, and different different kinds of phrases that come from other English-speaking countries and even from within the United States. We have expressions that we use in the South that, uh, that you don't hear out West and so forth. Well, there's some insights, whether it's the United Kingdom or Pandora or Batu, there's some insights about this experience. One of them is that what you hear frequently is what you are more likely to use in terms of language. An entirely different language is much more difficult than simply a different phrasing or a different way of saying things. If you don't use it often, you don't use it, you lose it. And what makes words unique is how they contribute to the understanding of the culture. Um, And you can speak the same language, but it may mean very different things like the word chips. Now, why am I sharing all this? It gives you an insight when you are visiting as a guest to Galaxy's Edge or to Pandora or to even the UK Pavilion at Epcot. But let's take it to a Disney at Work application and consider the fact that not just countries have their own language, but so do organizations. And one of those organizations is Disney. Disney has its own language and so rather than saying a customer, Disney always refers to them as guests. They teach those who work there on day one the language and one of those first words they teach is that we don't use the term customer, we use guest. That means that it's not customer service but rather guest service. A customer area where where guests can be is referred to on, as on stage. And there are different types of guests in the ways that we express or, uh, or refer to them. For instance, you are encouraged not to say this individual who was blind, but rather a guest who had visual impairments or uh, this individual in a wheelchair. Instead, you're taught to refer to them as a guest with a mobility impairment. So there are different words we use when we talk about the customers. At Disney, there are also different words that you refer to when talking about your employees. So you don't refer to them as a employee, rather you refer to them as a cast member. A frontline employee, those working uh, right there at an attraction or at a food and beverage location, that individual is referred to usually as a host or hostess because of their frontline role. Somebody who has to deal with crowd greetings uh, or crowd uh, control during a parade or when people are coming into the park are often referred to as greeters. Um, to, To remove the stain of having to work the midnight shift which is what often people call because disney is in operation they have a lot of different jobs that have to be done when the parks are closed Um, they for instance they have people who hose down the streets people who who take care of painting lawn mowing takes place in the middle of the night with headlights on the mowers and there are even a team of scuba divers who get into the lagoons or the jungle river cruise and places like that to make sure that things are cleaned out of there. So those individuals are not third shift employees, rather, they are cast members who work the midnight shift, or I'm sorry, they, they're not referred to as midnight shift. They are referred to as cast members who work the third shift. Um, additionally, you don't call somebody who is not a employee of the organization, some third party operation. Rather, you refer to them as operational partners. We list all these, by the way, at disneyatwork.com, so you can kind of follow with me. We don't reference um, wearing a uniform. Rather, we reference wearing a costume because you are part of a show, which is why we call people a cast member to begin with. Not like in a cast as in a cast system found in in the uh, in, uh, old time days of castles and knights and so forth, but rather, Cast members suggest you being part of a show, being part of um, a presentation. We don't talk about grooming standards. In fact, uh, my colleagues would would say grooming standards are what you use for for pets. Rather you have appearance guidelines that you use with your cast members. You have an employee only area, a break area. You don't refer to it as such. You refer to it as backstage. So it becomes a contrast to what we refer to with the guests. The guests are on stage and the cast members are backstage. Again, part of that show uh, presentation and show languaging. You wouldn't say, I play Alice in Wonderland out in the parks. Rather, you are encouraged to say, I am best friends with Alice in Wonderland. And that should imply to other cast members the role that you are actually playing. Even in products and services, you have a unique language at Disney. Let me give you a couple of examples. Studios. You don't say the studios, you say Disney's Hollywood studios. That is an expectation. And by the way, many of these expectations, I was not only taught during my orientation, which is called traditions, it's not called orientation; it's called traditions. Um, but rather, but instead, because I was part of what was the Disney Institute, and because I did presentations in front of guests visiting the property, visiting Walt Disney World, we it was very uh, it was emphatic that we use these terms. So I never refer to it as as just simply. Um, Uh, MGM Studios, which is still what some people refer to it as, always refer to it as Disney's Hollywood Studios. You don't talk about it as an amusement park. You talk about it as a theme park. You don't talk about rides. Rather, the best um, language is attractions. Um, Buses. You didn't say, let's get the whole group on a bus. No, you talk about getting them on a motor coach. Uh, You didn't stay in a hotel. You stayed in a resort. A motel was a value resort, a timeshare, vacation club. Timeshare is one of those words that has a negative connotation. So when Disney went into the timeshare business, they got rid of that word. And the language used is Disney Vacation Club, DVC for short. And unfortunately, Disney does use acronyms a lot like a lot of other companies. But you don't say timeshare, you might say DVC, but you don't say timeshare. You don't even say a cartoon, rather you say an animated feature. Fast food counter service. You get the idea. One of the biggest stories along this is a story that's told about, um, it was a story told when they were building Walt Disney World and there was a meeting and, and a lot of the management was sitting there and Roy was at the head of the table Walt's brother taking over, building out this complex. And people were referring to projects at Disney World and, and how, whether this uh, facet of, of uh, the resort at Disney World was ready and so forth. And the expression used constantly in this meeting was Disney World. At one point, Roy stopped the meeting. And he said, so we understand each other clearly. We are not to refer to this as Disney World. It is Walt Disney World. This is my brother's dream. This is his vision, and it's to be referred to as Walt Disney World. To this day, as a former cast member, and it's been a few years since I've been a cast member, but as a cast member and ever since, I don't say Disney World. I say Walt Disney World. That is the language that you are supposed to use. Now, have I heard cast members say Disney World? Have I heard cast members say Studios? Yes. But the thing that is emphasized is the language. Now, there's some other phrases that they use. They talk about appearance guidelines, and they call it the Disney look. They have an expression called um, green side up. There's also another one that says everyone picks up trash and both of them actually references the idea that every everyone pitches in to help regardless of your title or regardless of your status, if you're a manager or not. Greenside Up comes from an experience not uh, in the opening days of Walt Disney World. They were still finishing out the Disney's Contemporary Resort for the press event and they were laying sod and I believe that Dick Nunes had hired... Uh, kids from a local high school to come and spread the sod. They were trying to find anybody that could to help out to get things ready. And he himself was out there spreading sod and other managers were spreading sod. And, and if you're not familiar with how sod is spread in Florida, it comes in patches. It comes in squares and it comes um, in a whole uh, bundle. And, and, and the idea is you put it down, and and one of these kids who had never done this before said, "Well, how do how do you put how do you put this up, put this down?" And 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 Dick Noonan said, "Green side up," <laughs> which you know rather than having the dirt show at the bottom, make sure the grass is on the top. And so and so that's become an expression. Green side up is not about how to put on sod; rather, it's an expression about everybody pitching, regardless of your ability. To know how to do something, you just get in there and you do it. You make it happen. Another expression is, we work while others play. Disney is a 24-7 operation, and that means that employment dictates that you may be working all hours of the day, even in convenient times, such as a weekend or such as the middle of the night, in order to provide for the guest experience. Another phrase, cross you. It's being capable of working in areas of the operation other than yours. So this was especially true in the early days of Epcot because they didn't have enough cast members, and it was Epcot Center at the time, that was part of the languaging too, now it's Epcot. But in the early days when it's called Epcot Center, cast members, a lot of cast members were working Magic Kingdom, including my business partner, He'd work Magic Kingdom in the morning, say Big Thunder Mountain. He'd come over in the afternoon and he would drive the friendship boats on the lagoon in the evening. And it was kind of across you every again, kind of across you, kind of green side up, everyone pitch in. There's an expression called safety first. It's a reference to Disney's four service keys, which is safety, courtesy, show and efficiency and that first key is safety is more important than courtesy show and efficiency. So safety first is an expression used in the language of Disney to say, doesn't matter how cool your idea is of having pyro in the middle of this ballroom um, at the board, at Disney's Boardwalk Resort, it's not safety first. We can't have the fireworks inside. Good show is a compliment that everything is looking just right for the guest experience. And that goes back to another story of Dick Nunes um, riding the jungle. Uh, and I'll maybe put a reference to this because I think we have the story in another location. But an experience of Dick Nunes being on the Jungle River cruise and, and checking out all the skippers to make sure that a quality show was being given. But a thumbs up means good show. And good show means you're doing a great job in providing the guest experience. And the last phrase is we create happiness, which is the ultimate vision, the service vision, the mission of every Disney cast member to create happiness for their guests. So it's not about making money, it's about creating happiness. Now, this, this language is as real at Disney as this language is in a different country as language matters in different, in different uh, nations in different locations around the world, or even in fantasy places such as Galaxy's Edge or Pandora. I are mean, some souvenirs I want to share uh, for your organization? Um, if you, uh, as an employee, you might just think, what are the unique words and expressions in your business? Or industry. By the way, one of the examples of this is when they built the Disney Cruise Line, they wanted to come to those um, working that and say, okay, we're going to call everybody on the boat that's working on the boat a cast member. And those who had shipping experience turned to Disney and said, you don't say that on a ship, you say crew member. And the heritage and legacy of of ships and of sailing is much older than the heritage and legacy of Disney, um, even though it itself is nearly 100 years old. So even though cast member is the expression in all the parks, it is crew member when you are on Disney cruise language. So ask yourself, what are the unique words and expressions in your business or industry? How can language make your culture and brand unique? Disney uses these words because it helps you to think differently about who you are and about how you serve. So an example of this outside of Disney is Ritz-Carlton. They have an expression that's part of their language. Ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. And in this expression, that is a powerful notion about who you are and who you serve. And so ask yourself, how can that language make your culture, make your brand unique? What words and phrases create a negative image of your industry? Going back to our timeshare example, how can you turn those words into something much more positive, positive, such as Disney Vacation Club? How can these be taught and incorporated from day one of an employee's work experience? Again, traditions is the orientation where they teach this, where they teach the language of Disney, and then it's discussed every day afterwards. It's part of the culture. And if you don't have it as part of the culture, then it really isn't meaningful. Now, I go into organizations sometimes, uh, no, often actually, And they ask me to take a look at their language and so forth. And because they're in a particular industry, they think it's, they come up with a cute phrase or term that ties into their industry. But that doesn't necessarily mean it has meaning or understanding or that it illustrates who you are and what your role is. Language needs to serve the purpose of defining who you are, who you're serving, what the work is you're doing, and, and to elevate it in the way that you want your brand to be elevated. Um, and finally, uh, the last thing I would say is um, you can, um, um, you can, uh, without meaning or value, clever or fancy words really just don't matter. And so it, this is not an exercise about um, coming up with politically correct speak. In fact, actually, I heard in another podcast, uh, I want to say Jim Hill, that um, the expression right-sizing was being used at Disney Corporate out in Burbank, out in California, where the merger with Fox was taking place. Rather say downsizing, the correct thing to say was right-sizing. To me, this is politically correct speak. This isn't this isn't focusing on who you are, on your brand or your heritage. I understand that you may need to change the number of employees you have and that you may have to alter departments, but don't create don't create words for politically correct sake. Create words and language because it emphasizes what you really value in an organization having a great show for our guests, treating them as a VIP or a very individual person, treating, thinking about your, thinking about our um, experience as something more than an amusement park, as something of a higher quality experience. Th- that's where you use the language, is to elevate and to align what you are with your brand and what you are trying to to communicate it's powerful language is powerful and it can impact your organization just as it impacts Disney's organization every day so think think language think what are those words what are those expressions how does it matter to your organization to your brand to what you ultimately provide your customers that concludes our podcast for today please check out all of our podcasts some of which are disney at play and many of which are disney at work where we make connections back to your own business organization know that we not only provide a show notes page for each podcast but you'll find links to other posts we have and so much more and while you're visiting our websites be sure to access star wars galaxy's edge a complete guide that guide includes a unique interactive map detailing where everything is in this new land, details showcasing food and beverage, shopping experiences and entertainment, a thorough look at Millennium Falcon's Smuggler's Run, a cue to exit outline of the new Rise of the Resistance attraction coming soon, insights of how to navigate your experience whether you're at Disneyland or at Disney's Hollywood Studios, simply a 100 photos Uh, drawings, videos, and so much more showcasing this newest Disney experience. The guide is available to you when you subscribe to both our Disney at Play and Disney at Work newsletter. When you do so, you'll be also subscribed to a drawing to win a free Rex droid. That drawing is going to take place in a few weeks when Disney's uh, Hollywood Studios opens Galaxy's Edge to the public. So be sure to subscribe between now and then. If you like our podcast, please subscribe, like us, share a a positive note or two, and share it with others. Our Disney podcasts are unique not only that we provide content to fans who love Disney, but again, offer the Disney at Work smart ways you can apply these same ideas back to your workplace. Why not create a little Disney magic in your job? Let Disney at Work show you how. We're a young website, but we bring decades of insight from Disney. If you like the content we're bringing to you, please subscribe, like us, and share with others on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please let others know so they can benefit as well. You may want to check out our YouTube channel where we uh, showcase lots of videos on Galaxy's Edge, but also showcase other attractions and parks throughout the entire world. We have um, a Facebook Live, that we do every Thursday evening called Disney News on Parade. And you'll want to join us at 8.30 p.m. Eastern where we talk about the latest and greatest from the world of Disney. So be with us for that as well. Well, this concludes our podcast. Thanks for joining us. Whether it's work or play, remember, keep finding the magic.